everyone, it's Justin. Welcome to another fantastic Mayday interview with none other than our podcast MVP. No lie, you can go back and listen. That's what I said all last season. Uh, Madeline Brewer, you know her as Janine from The Handmaid's <laughs> Tale. Uh, Madeline, how are you doing today? Very well. How are you? Everybody here is great, and we appreciate you taking the time on a, on a Friday to talk to us and answer so some questions. Too. I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. And this season has just been insane. Just crazy. Um, yeah. So talk to us a little bit. That's kind of the first thing I want to know is what's been the different experience from season one to season two for you in the show? Oh, well, definitely just kind of, um, you know, taking Janine from where she was last season and the kind of frame of mind she had been in then. And, you know, where she is now is, is a lot different. When we see her at first, we see her in the colonies and she just has this absolute gratitude for being alive. Um, whereas before, last season, she kind of was looking for any reason to stay alive dealing with that and figuring out her headspace has definitely been different for me just you know character wise but overall it's been really amazing to like you know be that much closer with the cast even though we all don't work together every day it's been really nice to feel like you know coming home coming back to um friends yeah absolutely and we you know we've interviewed uh several people from the show and everybody's talked uh a lot about the family atmosphere and how this project is just really different from an atmosphere of, you know, everybody working together and everybody being uh, right on top of their game and, you know, kind of checking egos at the door. So tell us your experience as, you know, experiencing that coming in and what that's been like for you. Um, It's been really, you know, I don't have a, a whole ton to compare it to. You know, I've been like on an episode here of something, an episode there maybe, but, um, you know, my first real job was on Orange is the New Black, and that was kind of the same thing, that, you know, everybody was just so appreciative to have a job and to be working on something really important and, you know, just genuinely enjoying the process and, and making friends at work, and that's definitely been my experience on The Handmaid's Tale. It's really been, you know, I've found some, some friends for this, you know, not just coworkers, but people I really... I really connect with and we have similar, you know, views of the world and politics and we, you know, we have interests that align outside of, of acting, you know, very creative, new creative friendships. It's yeah. been really wonderful and just, you know, people I feel very close to. That's awesome. I wanted to take you a little bit back before season one started because um, fun fact, mm-hmm. and you don't know this, um, I'm going to drop this on you. You and uh, Mayday have a secret connection uh, by the name of Lindsay, yeah. Lindsay Copeland, uh, director of yeah. the film Hedgehog. I was with Lindsay doing looping for Hedgehog when I got the, like, okay, offer signed, here's your deal, this is what's happening. So, yeah, I was doing Hedgehog looping, and, and you know, first she and I were talking, she loves The Handmaid's Tale, and, and you know, Anne was in Hedgehog, and and already cast and confirmed and announced in The Handmaid's Tale before I even went in for my initial audition. That's pretty cool. It was just a, yeah. a very interesting <laughs> connection there. Very interesting connection there. So really awesome. And, you know, Sir Lindsay was like, yep, yep, two people I cast in my film are both on The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we talked about that. It was just a very, very strange moment for her, I think, of having all that kind of occur. Yeah. 
But but again, hedgehogs pretty fantastic, so I would recommend that to anyone. Thank you. All right, so let's get right into uh, our social media followers, who are kind of our you know the lifeblood of podcast and the show. Yeah. Because without them, we don't have a show to do, and you don't have anybody watching your show. So what we like to do is have yeah. them send in some questions and say, hey, "What do you want to know from Madeline?" So I'm All gonna right. I'm gonna relay these, and uh, we will we'll take it from there and see what you have to say to the people. So this first one, and this is a very popular one. I'm sure you get this all the time. Uh, so the people asking this from Instagram are Two Thirds Sky, Nappy Nay, Winter Hollow Farm, and then from Facebook, Stacy Rillo, Goodwin Sis, Chastity Hennessy, and Aaron Reagan Gerns. You don't have to remember all those. What you do have to answer is the question, which is, where did you pull from an, as an actress when you were bringing Janine to life, and did you get any uh, advice from, say, uh, you know, the writer of the book, Margaret Atwood, in regards to that as well? So where does Janine come from for you in building the character? So, Janine, for me, comes from a, a combination of, you know, myself and things that I I know about myself that I thought would be appropriate to bring to Janine, um, just in what was on the page. But also, a lot of Janine came from, um, well, because, you know, the way you see her in the book, is she's kind of this source of, like, envy and frustration for Alfred. Because, you know, Janine's the first one to get pregnant, and it's just like, oh, come on, and she's, you know, batshit crazy, and right. it's like, oh, my God. And it's not that I don't like playing, you know, I don't mind playing an unlikable character, but it's like, I have to like them in some way. Sure. You know, I have to connect with her. So, in trying to make Janine this kind of batshit crazy nuisance for Alfred, I think her this childlike quality that came out of her is actually... Is sometimes endearing. I don't know. Some people, I read comments. Some people are very annoyed by her, and that's totally fine. And that's actually what I was going for. So, thanks. I enjoy Janine's genuine, um, and this totally comes from the writers, just her absolute pure optimism in looking at the world. So, a lot of it is the writers. A lot of it came from Bruce, just talking to Bruce Miller about the character and, you know, how they came up with some of the things that she says or does or because you know I had uh like my first audition I had I don't think I had just the the FU scene with Aunt Lydia the very first one mm-hmm. that she's in but I had the scene where she's like losing her mind at the window and she's like naked and, right <laughs> and Ann Crabtree I talked to a lot just about people that she knows in her life that she felt that she felt are very similar to Janine in any way. It just it was a total combination of things. People that I know from my past, people I grew up with, just a whole combination of, of all of those things. That's kind of that's kind of what I figured. You know, it's one of those things that seems pulled from a number of sources, and so that's that's excellent to hear. Yeah, um, well, it's it tricky. So she's not any just one person at any given time. You know, I feel like she's very elusive to me, and. You have to find your way in with her. Like, she's not always, I know that sounds crazy, but she's not, like, always available to me. I don't know exactly where to find her. Mm. So, you know, I have to pull from different people and try and, and bring her out a little bit. Interesting. I know that sounds insane. Like, I have GID, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Does not at all. It sounds, it sounds like a, an actor talking about their craft. 
That's what. Yeah, very accurate. One thing you did just mention that I have to credit um, someone who I talked to today about you as I was prepping for this interview, my friend Delia Harrington, who uh, we've talked to on the show a number of times. She covers Handmaid's Tale for a website called Den of Geek. She's fantastic, has taught me a lot about uh, feminism okay. and all kinds of things relating to such topics over the last year that I've been doing this podcast. But she used a great phrase that I had to source her for, which is that Janine uses optimism as a weapon. So talk about that. Yes, and exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. And I was like, I've never heard it phrased like that. So I'm definitely going to use that today yeah. because I think that perfectly describes what she does. Because the side note to this is also we had um, uh, Jennifer White, who works for a website called Slacker Radio, did an interview on our behalf with you, actually, at the April um, press day. And you made a very interesting comment about Janine and is that everyone thinks Janine is crazy, but that Janine yeah. is really using her, you know, the things that make her seem crazy to try and not let Gilead kind of beat her down. And so I thought that was just a very interesting yeah. observation and using the optimism like that. So talk about that and that angle of Janine not being this completely, as you said, batshit crazy person, but really trying to use that as a defense mechanism. Right. It is absolutely, it is her way of coping with the world. Um, Janine is kind of an eternal optimist in the first season because it's like, if she doesn't look for the light, if she doesn't look for the silver lining or the good, she's going to kill herself. You know, she has no reason to stay. She's in so much pain. Um, so that optimism is, is, is a necessity for her survival. You know, it's a survival tactic. Um, in the second season, it's more of she has absolute gratitude for, for life and for... You know, her circumstances aren't, aren't ideal. She's in um, the colonies, and she more, she's more than likely going to work until she falls apart, literally. Right. But she finds the beauty in things and finds something to live for. And I see that as, like, her own little acts of resistance. Like, they try to break you and break you and break you until you just are an obedience and um, just shell. You just uh, you just do what they say and you give them no grief and you're basically no longer human. You're just a vessel for baby making. Exactly. You're an incubator. Right. And, you know, by keeping herself alive and in touch with the light and in touch with other people and making connections with these other women, it's her own act of resistance toward Gilead, you know? You can put me wherever the hell you want to put me. You can have me cleaning up toxic waste until my skin falls off, but you're not going to break my spirit. So that is her weapon against them. We love her for it. Every bit of it. I love her for it. (laughs) So our next question comes from the ever-present question, uh, when are we going to get Janine's backstory? This being from our Twitter follower, Rachel Espejo, uh, Instagram user Tori Burns, Facebook users Nicole Palmer, and Donna Shattuck. All want to know, when are we going to get the much-needed Janine backstory? (laughs) Well, that is a question for Bruce Miller. I would certainly love to hear and see and play Janine's backstory. Um, I have little bits and pieces in my mind of what I think it was like, and we've heard from just 
what we know of her at the Red Center and, you know, that scene with her sitting in the circle and mm-hmm. kind of telling her story of um, being raped. Um, I'd like to know more about her. I'd like to see Caleb. I'd like to see her and Caleb. I'd like to see her just happy with her child outside of Gilead. Um, but, yeah, your guess is as good as mine for that. They're always thinking about the backstories of these people because, oh, yeah. I mean, all of the writers are because that's how they make the, you know, well-rounded characters. They exactly. give them, they're not just, they were women before Gilead. They were mothers and sisters and and wives and and human beings. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's just, it's been great to explore, especially this season. They went very uh, Serena heavy, and that's been fantastic to watch Yvonne Strahovski just oh, yeah. rise to that occasion in such an, an amazing yeah. way. Uh, but you brought up a good yeah. point here, which is the maternal side of Janine, and that was another you know thing that a lot of people wanted to know about, and really from a couple angles. Um, one, because uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, you do not have any children of your own, correct? No, 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 no. So someone wanted to know how how you were able to, quote, muster up the maternal side of Janine, having not experienced that as a mother yourself. And then also wanted to talk a little bit about the episode eight, where you came back to the hospital to help revive baby Charlotte. Yeah. Thank you for calling her Charlotte, by the way. Uh, I had um, to do that. I have to do that <laughs> because we did have, we interviewed <laughs> Ever Carradine and, um, I made a point of saving, saying Charlotte on the interview just to make her angry because <laughs> she, 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 she corrected also, me the other way. It was yeah, pretty funny. Yeah, because she will, I see it on the internet all the time where people will say Angela to her and then I'll just be like, excuse me, Charlotte. <laughs> um, so that's very fun. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I'm, um, I'm not really one for, I've never really felt much maternal passion um <laughs> yet somehow in in recent years i've been cast as as moms a lot like a couple times i absolutely adore children and babies and just some things that have happened in my own life um with you know family members um and their kids and seeing that just you know pure pure love and pure desire to be a mother and and how important it is for some women um, that to, to be mothers. I have like a much greater respect for it. I'm certainly not there yet. I'm sure I will be someday. But um, uh, I, I did a lot of, you know, I talked to my mom. My mom has two kids, me and my brother. I talked to other women on the show. You know, a lot of that was, was with, um, I shot a lot of those scenes in the first three with uh, Reed Morano, who, you know, helped kind of create that super, you know, just, she's just so open and, you know, talked about her kids and talked about her pregnancy and, and, and so did Ann Dowd. I talked to Alexis a little bit just because she was, at the time I met Alexis, her, she had, a, I believe, an eight or ten month old. Um, and it just, I had a, a wealth of knowledge on set to talk to me about about motherhood and I have a lot of you know women in my life I actually asked Facebook <laughs> oh nice I, I I just like asked the Facebook hive mind of my my close friends and, and family members like hey what was it like to have a baby and 
what did you feel, you know, the first time you held your child, and actually kind of working backwards and understanding how they felt when they first held their child and then what Janine was missing out on when she couldn't hold Charlotte shaped a lot of that experience of motherhood for me, which I still am constantly trying to do justice because it's such an, it's such a unique ship, mother to child. And, um, you know, just exploring that, having not been a mother, has been a trip. It's, so I rely heavily on the women around me. And I will say that whatever yeah. you've researched is coming through on the screen fantastically, especially that episode, which was just, of all, of all the things that have happened on the show, like, I'm an emotional guy. I feel I feel my feelings, and I have no problem with it. But that one, the last scene of that, that got me. You got me singing in the window because I was not exactly oh, sure. I was not exactly okay. sure what we were about to see when, when that camera turned the corner and you had the baby in your hands. Um, yeah, I was not exactly sure where that was going, but it was just one of the most beautiful moments that this show has done. And them playing you out singing that throughout the credits, I think. Again. Oh God, that kills me. I know, right? That, <laughs> that, I think that was the thing of just like just hearing it and the baby cooing in the background yeah. was just incredible. And I will say, somebody made a note, and I also made this note when you were singing. Um, they said that you they'll never be able to listen to Dusty Springfield the same again. And I said the same thing about Three Little Birds by Bob Marley last season. I was like, well, that's it for that oh song. My gosh. <laughs> I'm so sorry, I ruined them for you. No, it'll always it'll it'll be a fond, disturbing memory. That's okay. And the yeah. you know the Dusty Springfield is particularly uplifting given the circumstances in the show. It and, is. And that was talk about that scene a little bit because I, I I I'm fascinated by that scene and just one your performance with the baby, um you know having taken off all your all the essential clothes and and Dowd kind of coming over and just being overwhelmed with emotion. Yeah. Uh, talk about filming that whole episode and really those that scene and how it played out for you i mean that whole episode was was if you watch Janine start to finish in it um and, and just everyone overall it's kind of an emotional roller coaster um you know when she comes back in episode seven so episode eight you know they're at the market and she's making jokes and then it's like oh god a baby's sick and then Oh, and then she gets to go see the baby. It's just a whole bunch of really stressful things happening to Janine, who is already so fragile. But that's what I think is that that I thought I thought and that I really wanted to portray with her in episode eight was um, how much stronger she is than everyone thinks. You know, in that last second before you the camera turns the corner and you see the baby's alive and um you know everybody's like oh god the baby's dead and she's gone crazy again <laughs> it's like no she is with her strength and her power of love and motherhood and and just like her lust for being alive she's brought the baby back from the brink and that's the power that's her fire that i constantly talk about her having um that's that that's that piece of her that, you know, Gilead wants to take away and that they can't. And if they had, then the baby would no longer be alive. Um, hmm. So that was a really, it was a really defining scene, that last one in episode eight for me and for Janine, I think, in my relationship to her. Yeah. 
But all that stuff, you know, watching the baby in the hospital and, you know, wanting to say goodbye to her and, and you know, confronting Warren again and, and Naomi and kind of setting aside all that crap for the baby and just the, it was really powerful because sometimes I don't, I don't, I don't know, maybe because I'm not a mother, you know, I forget how much my own mother loves me, like, mm. and that absolute, this pure, unconditional, drives you absolutely crazy kind of love that you have for your children, and yeah. that, uh, it just made me, it, it was really defining for me and made me appreciate my mom that much more. <laughs> that's, awesome. that's awesome, like I said, you, you've brought it through on the screen fantastically so you were doing some wonderful things um so on a lighter note uh we do have some some miscellaneous fun questions that i have here um one from nicole orozco who's our facebook friend she wants to know what is your favorite janineism as she puts it and i put a few examples may the force be with you cows don't get married which might be my personal favorite uh we're all flowers or (laughs) i want to change my wish or anything else that you could think of because janine does have those little like one-liner quip kind of things that she puts on the ends of those sentences that uh, are pretty great so do you have any personal favorites yeah um you know may the force be with you was a really special one um, cause that is, oh, it's just so layered, you know, like it's taking something so Gilead and just bringing it back into like the real world and kind of turning it on its head, which I love, but I also love, I have such a, such a sweet spot in my heart for, um, for flowers. Mm. It's just, uh, right. <laughs> but also when she's talking about the, um, when she's talking about the, a dandelion and she's like they're happy for everybody they don't care who you are and it's like god uh this one is very simple um emily Della wilkins wants to know what your favorite flavor of ice cream is <laughs> my favorite flavor of ice cream something like super chocolatey like the darker deeper fudgier chocolatey mm-hmm. the better awesome i do love that now this next question I think it's great, and I hope you have something for this. If you don't, you can cut it out like we do. Uh, Emily Barreter from Twitter. She said, what's a fun blooper that's happened on the set that you were in? I think those are fun things to know. Like, is there ever anything that's gone? That I was in? That you were in, or if you, you know, just anyone that you can tell us if you have a funny story of any, you know, mishaps during a shooting. Um, I don't know if anything happening, like, within a tape. Um... But there are often times where Nina Kiri, who plays Alma, will just, like, come up on my right side when I have, like, my eyeball on and my wing. So, like, I literally cannot see anything to my right. And she'll just, like, stand really close to me. (laughs) And, like, whisper my name or, like, breathe really close to me or something, just, you know, because I can't see her. Right. That's hilarious. Um, So that happens. That's but we honestly just like sometimes those, because um you know so much of it, it you know there's so there's a lot of June and and uh, Serena and the Waterfords this season. Mm-hmm. So the days when the Handmaids were in, it was like shot basically over one or two days to just kind of consolidate. Right. So we'd have like these super long days, and we just get like loopy as hell, uh-huh. like you know. And just me and Nina, when we're near each other, we just really goof. We're just are ridiculous. Well, 
And you also don't know this, but I did oh. get I witnessed that a little bit because we, uh, myself and my co-host Tiana, uh, were invited by Ann Crabtree to come down to the SCAD Fash opening. And so we were at the oh. SCAD Fash Museum while you guys were there. Uh, but we were there. Oh we were there God, for the screening. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Because as I recall, uh, <laughs> she lost her purse uh, while we were, you guys were in there. And I was trying to help her find it. Uh, she located it. But yes. Sounds like Nina. But yes, we we were there. And so we got to uh, go to the Q&A at the screening. And we were there for the whole thing. It was awesome. Anne was amazing. And, uh, oh, that's great. Yes, it was a good time, and a good time had by all. So, uh, last couple questions do have to do with the prosthetic eye, as a matter of fact. Now, you brought that okay. up. Okay. Uh, a lot of people want to know about the eye, and I, from being at that Q&A, there was a little talk about the, the eye. Um, so, what people want to know here, and we got Rachel from Twitter, uh, MCPE29 from Instagram, Yana Corsis, and Stacey Rillo. All want to know, how long does it take to put the eye on? Is it uncomfortable? Was it hard to get used to acting in it? And what's it like when you take it off? What's the whole process of the eye like, basically? Everybody wants to know. Okay. The eyeball is five minutes drawn, give or take, because sometimes I sit really still, and other days I'm just really, really squirmy, and I want to move around, and I want to sing along to the songs that are on, that are playing over the radio or whatever. And so Zane, who puts my eye on, um, sometimes I make him work really, really hard. <laughs> we have fun. He bribes me with kombucha. Nice. Um, he also lets me get through like one rendition of How Far I'll Go, Mana, and then I have to sit still. <laughs> so there's that. And then, um, you know, it's very difficult, the eye. I mean, if I'm in the eye for only 10 hours, it's been a really good day. Wow, that's a um, long time. Because sometimes I'm in that thing for like 15, 16 hours, and it's, you know, I. Because if my eye is all the way closed and stuck closed, I'll be claustrophobic and I'll start to freak out. So my eye has to be like ever so slightly taped shut underneath, you know. And since Janine cries a lot, like <laughs> she's right. just tearing up at the drop of the hat. So my eyes tear up underneath and it makes the thing come unstick and then my eyelashes get in my eye and I can't take the eye off. So it's a... Uh, so uh, how long did it take you to, because I mean, I, I would assume acting with that on had to be a process of, you know, just. It's really, it's actually really helpful. Oh, really? Okay. Because, like, since I can't see out of it, that's just, that's also how Janine is. So if someone talks to me on my right, I kind of have to swing my whole head around to look at them with my left eye. Yeah. You know, that's what Janine has to do as well. And it just kind of added this element of, like, kind of like unbalanced little puppy dog thing right that she has going on which I, I really enjoy absolutely um but also as soon as i take the eyeball off my eyes are like crossed for a few seconds and i can't really focus um and then i'm good as soon as the eyes off i'm just a happy camper that's fantastic fantastic story everybody likes to hear a little bit about the eye everyone is questioning about the eye um yeah. So, last question uh, has to do with Aunt Lydia. And Aunt Lydia and Janine have a very special relationship. And I thought the episode eight where they came to the hospital together and having them back together was like, oh, the gang's back together. Because we got Lydia <laughs> and Janine yeah. back together. And was that the three of them? Yeah, it was pretty great to see again. It was like, oh, it's awesome. Uh, so, talk about their relationship and how, how you and Ann Dowd kind of developed that and where, if, if anywhere, if that is going in the future. Well, my 
personal relationship with Ann Dowd is like my one of my favorite things in the world. Um, you know, because we were. I met Ann when I was 23, and I was working on Hedgehog, and and um, you know, this woman who's an actor that I really respect, and she's also just the kindest, most lovely human being. Um, so, you know, just working her with her for that like week on Hedgehog, I just felt really, really close to her. She's that, she's so open and loving. And that was exactly what I needed at that time, I guess, <laughs> from those other actors. So I, you know, I held on to her very tightly. And so when she was cast in The Handmaid's Tale and I went in for my audition, I actually walked in and I said, congratulations on Ann Dowd, everyone. Really well done. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, she's amazing. But I think that that outrageous relationship and that, you know, affection that I have for her translated into the Janine-Aunt um, Lydia relationship because it could have gone so, I don't know, I feel like it could have gone so differently. And um, you get to see those parts of Aunt Lydia where you, you realize how much she does truly, truly care for these girls. Mm-hmm. She will not let them mess with her or will not let them take advantage of her. But she deeply cares for their well-being and and, um, and appreciates what they're doing for Gilead. Um, I hope we get to see more of that relationship. I love their scenes together. I love the way they interact. Um, I want to know more about Aunt Lydia. I really want to know that backstory. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I don't know. We actually we actually had her on and. My one of my other co-hosts, Sarah, is an English teacher, and public school English teacher teaches with my wife. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about the backstory, and uh, and how talked about how she thought that Aunt Lydia was a teacher in her former life, and Sarah had to be like, a private yeah. school teacher, private school teacher, and Catholic school, not private a public school, school. teacher. <laughs> so we always yeah. tell, we always tell that story. It's funny because she's like, oh, she couldn't be a public school teacher. No, no, no. She had to be like some no. private school. Lady. But yeah, I, my dad taught public school for thirty-one years, so I'm. <laughs> That's awesome. So you know then. Yeah. All right. Well, Madeline, I know we are uh, done with our time for today, and I appreciate you taking the time again on a Friday to uh, hang out with us. And we are super, super appreciative of you joining us on the podcast, and hopefully again we can follow up someday down the line. Yeah. Absolutely. Congratulations on two fantastic seasons and a really dynamic performance in bringing Janine away from what could have been kind of a tropey, stereotypical batshit crazy girl as you yourself said and really adding some depth and layers to the character and so we really enjoyed her and she really is one of our our favorites on the podcast she is the podcast mvp and uh, no you're absolutely welcome and we appreciate you joining us and uh best wishes to everything you're doing in the future and on the show of course you're welcome have a great weekend happy friday you too Bye. bye Thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. Please stay subscribed as we will be bringing you more fantastic content while the show is on hiatus. We do not take a break. We will keep talking about The Handmaid's Tale and keep bringing you all kinds of other coverage of shows that you might like, movies you might like. I'm going to read the book, I think. All kinds of good stuff coming up. You never know what we're going to do. So stay with us. Uh, follow us on social media at, at Handmade Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's at Handmade Podcast. 
Uh, if you are an Apple listener and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please go rate and review us. That helps us uh, get the word out to everyone. Let us know that you enjoyed the podcast. Otherwise, please go download and uh, listen to Slacker Radio, and you can listen to our radio station, Handmaid's Resistance Radio. That is free on the Slacker app or at slacker.com. Once again, that's Handmaid's Resistance Radio. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one.